that big snowstorm. And is there anything like a snowstorm that convinces us to go get milk and eggs, or milk and bread? Milk and bread, right? That, those are the two things that we run to the store to get. And in fact, you know, grocery stores were reporting that they were like completely wiped clean. And I grabbed some pictures to show you, you know, what is it about the snow that makes us think we need milk and bread? You know, what's ironic is a lot of people don't even eat milk and bread these days, do they? And yet the mention of snow, and we run to the store to stockpile and hoard, you know, for like we're home for like two days, but we have like two weeks worth of groceries. Scarcity scares us. Even the thought of scarcity scares us. And unfortunately, this isn't just when it comes to snowstorms, because I believe that many of us are living with what I'm going to call today a scarcity mindset. We are believing and behaving as if we are never going to have enough, enough time, enough energy, enough resources. And what happens is that this scarcity mentality, it has us operating out of fear and rationing ourselves instead of living in trust and generosity. Scarcity thinking, it it has us thinking about the limitations instead of the opportunities. It really keeps us in this place where we are stuck and fearful about what we have. We're focused on ourselves, on our needs, on our wants, and ultimately our own lives. You know, interestingly, interestingly, this fear of not having enough has actually been plaguing us since the beginning. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, since there was humanity, there has been this lie. What God has given us is not enough, so take for yourself. I want you to think about this. When, when Eve was in the garden... And the snake came to her and tempted her and said, hey, eat this fruit. And if you eat this fruit, you're going to be like God. It was this lie that God has not given you enough. And so you must take for yourself. And the really sad part is that actually Eve was already like God. She was made in his image with his likeness. She lived in perfect union and communion with him. And yet she bought in to this lie and scarcity thinking now is prevalent. It has us questioning God's character and his ability to provide. And unfortunately, this questioning of God's goodness and his generosity, it really still plagues many of us today, and it fuels our scarcity mindset. So we want to break free from this bad thinking today. Throughout the the year so far, we've been in the book of James, and we've been studying how we can live as wholehearted disciples of Jesus. And we've been looking at all these different areas, at our faith and our relationships, at our prayer life and our speech. And today we're going to pivot and we're going to start a new series, which we've entitled Wholehearted Generosity. You see, James is a really good teacher, and one of the things he talks about is the goodness and generosity of God. He says, you know, when we need wisdom, God generously provides it. He said, you know, when we're in trouble, God generously provides a way out. In the first chapter, James talks about the fact that every good and perfect gift is from God. And so we want to explore God's plan for generosity and how that should impact how we live our lives because we want to look and live differently than the world around us. So I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to be our teacher today. And so we just say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome today. Give us ears to hear and soft hearts today as we look at your plan for generosity. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, well, when you hear the word generosity, what do you think of? I think a lot of us would think of different things because generosity actually has a lot of different uh, facets and a lot of different ways that generosity can play out in our lives. And so we want to look at it from a holistic lens. The actual definition is to willingly give money, help, and kindness, especially more than is usual or expected. I found this so fascinating. Did you know that we're biologically built to enjoy giving? Researchers actually studied this. They studied the act of giving, giving, and no matter how small, they found out that people felt more contentment and happier when they chose to give. And yet many of us live and struggle to be generous. And we want to look at this problem. We want to, we want to be honest with ourselves. So right now, I want you to think, think about your life right now. Is there evidence of generosity in your life. You know, for many of us, we would say that generosity is a value that we want. I mean, who doesn't want to be generous? I mean, it's kind of like one of those attributes that you're like, well, yeah, I, I want to be generous. But if we actually looked at how this plays out in our lives, it may be a different story. And I believe that this is because of a scarcity mindset. We are believing and behaving that we will never have enough. And therefore, we can't freely share what we have and who we are with the people around us. Now, I'm going to say something that may challenge some of you. Generosity has nothing to do with your income. Generosity has nothing to do with the job you have. What? That's crazy. How can those two things not be connected? Well, I want you to think about it for a minute. I bet most of you know someone who has not a lot, but is very generous. And in the same way, I bet you've known other people who have a lot, but aren't generous. In the Bible, in Luke 21, Jesus tells this story of a, a widow who gave two pennies, and he says to the, the religious leaders, she, he says, she gave more than all of you. And so in our minds, we have to rethink how we're thinking about this, because this is the startling truth. Generosity has little to do with what you have, but everything to do with how you think. Generosity has little to do with what you have, but everything to do with how you think. What does this mean? We're going to unpack this. You see, generosity, it starts in the mind, which is why this scarcity thinking is so problematic. And two of the ways that I think scarcity thinking really messes us up is with two lies. The first lie is about God's character. He has us questioning God's goodness and God's generosity. And the second is our own selfishness. Now, I have a two-year-old, and nothing teaches you selfishness like having a two-year-old, whose favorite word is? No. Oh, you were close. Mine! <laughs> Very close second. You know, sharing is hard for a toddler, isn't it? It's kind of hard for adults. This is the crazy thing. You know, selfishness, it really, you know, peaks in toddlerhood, but, you know, it really follows us into adulthood. And here's the thing with selfishness. It sometimes is sneaky and seductive. It has us thinking we're being responsible when really we're just justifying ourselves. This enemy of selfishness, actually, this lie, it needs to be broken. The enemy, he's trying to get us to question God's goodness and his, his trustworthiness and his ability to provide. And then he's tempting us to think of ourselves first. 
making sure that we have enough before we share. And these two issues, these two lies, they feed and fuel that scarcity mindset and they keep us from fully embracing wholehearted generosity. Well, that's what we want. We want to live. And guess what? This is for every person. I'm not just speaking to older people. I'm not just speaking to younger people. I'm not speaking just to people who have resources or people who are lacking resources because it's not about what you have. It's about how you think. And each of us is invited into this journey. So we want to explore who God is and how he operates so that we can fully trust him and understand our role in generosity. And our first step is going to be doing this. We're going to take a bigger look at the story of generosity in the Bible. And I'm going to use one of my favorite tools. I'm going to use a Bible project video. Now, I love this resource. It's completely free. They have an amazing website and a free app. I really recommend, if you want to grow in understanding the Bible, check out the Bible Project. But right now, we're going to turn our attention to the screens, and we're going to see the big story of generosity that's in the Bible. Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive, and there's lots of people, decorations, food, and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world. Under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy, anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over. It's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity. And so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham. And he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance, and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoiled party. And notice, 
Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously doesn't mean life is gonna go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life. And scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host, just like Jesus did. Yeah, and when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere, with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. So many good takeaways. So I tried to condense it and summarize it for us so that we can help embrace this truth as we look at wholehearted generosity. So there's four things I wanna note. The first is this, God is the host and we are his guests. I love this paradigm and you know, here God has created this world of abundance and joy and fruitfulness, and our job is to keep the party going. But of course, that's not how many people experience the world. They experience a world full of brokenness and scarcity. But having this mindset that God is the host and we are the guests, a little bit later, I'm going to talk about this again. Another way of saying this is God is the owner and we are the stewards. And this framework is gonna really help us as we walk in generosity. Okay, the second is that our problem is not a lack of resources, our problem is a mindset. And of course, we've already talked some about this, that actually it has little to do with what we have and everything to do with how we think. And Jesus understood this. You know, the lies that we're bombarded with, that God can't be trusted, that he's holding out on us, they are powerful because once we're deceived, we justify our impulse to selfishness. And so we want to break the power of those lies. And Jesus understood this. He understood life through the lens of those Hebrew scriptures. And he understood and he, he's lived his life through a lens of abundance and fruitfulness instead of scarcity. And I love this. Jesus wasn't born into a palace. He experienced poverty. He experienced injustice. And yet... He embraced that abundance mentality and, and mindset. Okay, the third thing is God wants us to experience his generosity. This is the story of the Bible. God picked Abraham, the Israelites, and they failed, 
right? But God didn't give up. I love when the other co, you know, voice, the narrator on there was like, I would have just given up, me too. But no, not God. God then sent himself, his own son, Jesus. And through Jesus's death and resurrection, he brings and ushers in a whole new way. And now we are invited to live a different story, to live a story of generosity. And that's the fourth one. We're invited to live by a different story of trust in God's goodness and generosity. He wants us to embrace a different mindset. And this is all about living in his truth and then participating in the kingdom of God through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I loved there at the end that when we embrace this mentality, suddenly we begin to see the opportunities all around us to participate in generosity. Okay, with this Framework. I want to go to those two lies and I want to break them down a little bit and give us um, just a little bit more confidence moving forward. So that first lie, that God is not good, that he is not generous, that he cannot be trusted. I want to take us to 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and this is actually the verse that they, um, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, this is actually the verse that they played in the video. This is what it says. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your, for your sakes, he became poor, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. What does a verse like that mean? Jesus is generosity personified. God is good and he is generous. Jesus had everything and he gave it all up so that we could be made brand new so that we could be given a brand new identity. He died so that we could live. And that is what this verse is explaining to us, that Jesus is good and that his, gener generous, path, or his generous act set us on a completely different path. You see, God's grace is actually the fuel for our generosity. He gave his son so that we may have life and life abundantly. I love this quote I found from an author named Randy Alcorn. I thought it was a beautiful picture. God's grace is the lightning and our giving is the thunder. I know you're tempted right now. Lightning and the thunder. Stay focused. Just like thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. It is possible to give without a deep understanding of God's grace. It is impossible to have a deep understanding of grace and not give. You see, this, this is actually a really profound thought. What, what this author is saying right here is that when we understand what we have been given, our natural response is generosity. And so for some of us, we feel confusion about generosity. And I actually believe what Holy Spirit wants to do today is he actually wants to take us and help us understand more deeply this grace that we have been given. Grace to do what we cannot do on our own. Unmerited favor that comes from Jesus and his sacrifice alone. And when we understand grace, our giving becomes a thunderous clap back to God. These two things, they go hand in hand. When we understand grace, we understand giving. Okay, the second enemy of generosity that I mentioned is this whole area of selfishness. Now, I think at the root of selfishness, there is a misunderstanding of ownership. Now, we're going to unpack this more over the next few weeks, but I think it's really important that we understand who the owner is, who the host is. Let me tell you what Psalm, I find it, Psalm 24, 1 says, 
The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. The earth and everything in it is the Lord's. He is the owner. He is the host and we are the steward or we are the guest. And he generously shares this entire world with us and he wants us to then turn around and generously share with others. He is the source of everything and we are the recipient. It's all his, it's not ours. And this paradigm actually can radically ship shift and shape how we live our lives. You know, this is one of the keys to combating that selfishness in our lives because we realize that anytime we're trying to hoard our time, our energy, our money, our resources, it's not ours in the first place. So let me just tell you one of the ways that I struggle with selfishness and generosity. It's with my time. Anyone else struggle to be generous with their time? Okay, these are my people. You know, we have four kids, we have this church that we lead, we, we have busy lives, and usually when, you know, every day, I, I've got a full day, and I'm a list maker, okay? Here's a little pro tip if you are looking to getting into list making. You start your list off with at least three things you've already done, okay? Then immediately, you are crossing those things off, and you're already ahead of the game. Okay, but my list is usually very long. I have, I have meetings and drop-offs and practices and all these different things, and I am always so tempted to stick to the script. And yet what I have found is that when I choose to be generous with my time, which means being interrupted, which means giving more time than I want to give, almost always the Holy Spirit breaks through. Now I say almost because I wanna be honest, okay? It is a sacrifice. But when I say yes to going out to coffee or you know, taking the neighbor's kids for a few hours or taking someone a meal or, or sitting with my kids at the end of the day, sometimes the, the hardest act of generosity is actually watching another Disney movie when I really wanna go to bed. I am telling you though right now, it's not ours in the first place. So wherever you're feeling this selfishness begin to rise in you, ask the Holy Spirit again to reveal the truth that he is the owner and that we are simply stewards. You know, this generosity, you know, it is about how we give our time and our energy, but it is also about how we give our money. Did you know that God has an amazing financial plan for your life? He does. And some people have never heard this before. Some people have heard it and they don't do it. And yet other people who have heard it and follow it, they experience the incredible fruit that God has for each and every one of us when it comes to our finances. God cares deeply about you. And over the next few weeks, we're going to explore what God's financial plan is for our life. But know this, it starts with generosity and continues with stewardship. You know, I once heard it said that generosity is a rebellious act against our culture. And what I've noticed about a lot of young people is you guys want a revolution. You want to rebel. What an incredible opportunity to embrace generosity, to rebel against our culture, which is fueled and feeds that scarcity mindset. I mean, the pandemic has shown us that, you know, me and mine and, and mine and yours and no, and 
No, we are invited into a completely different way where we embrace an abundance mentality, where we say God is good, he is generous, he can be trusted, there is more than enough, and I get to give away what God has given me. We can embrace wholehearted generosity. Okay, I want to leave us with two principles as we start this journey that we want to explore and practice, okay? And I'm going to take us to Proverbs 11:25, and this is what it says. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So the first principle Give freely. Generosity leads to generosity. Those who give will be refreshed. Be stingy, lose everything. I love the way the message version of this says it. It says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You know, I know someone who's in his 80s now, and he's a millionaire several times over, and he spends a lot of his time watching those numbers go up and down on the screen bemoaning that he doesn't have more. And I've known another couple who, you know, they haven't had always a lot, but what they've had, they've freely shared. They've, they've gotten their friends out of desperate situations financially multiple times. They've generously given their time to the community that God planted them in. They give faithfully to the church. They, they give generously to their family. And what has happened? They have been refreshed. Now, does this mean that there are no problems in their life? No, and can we just actually take that off of the multiple choice options? I don't know why we love to put the principles of God with this disclaimer that it means that nothing's ever going to go bad. It just isn't, that's just not the truth. So remove that as a stumbling block from your life as you apply God's principles. And one of God's principles is this whole area of generosity. And so the first thing we're gonna do as we embrace wholehearted generosity is we're going to give freely. We're going to give freely. And this is counterintuitive, but God can be trusted. There is more than enough. Okay, the second thing that I want us to focus on is really our attitude as we embrace generosity. This is not a formula we follow. We do not give to get. We get to give. We do not give to get, we get to give. That, those are really important orders because people can tell when you are being generous with an agenda. We do not want to do this. And so what we're actually going to do is we are going to be sowers of seeds and we're gonna leave the harvest up to God. What do I mean by that? Well, we're gonna plant a lot of seed of generosity. We're gonna be generous with our time and our energy and our money and we're gonna allow the harvest and what happens with that up to God. Now, the seeds are really important, okay? Because without seeds, there is no harvest. And some of you are frustrated because you're like, well, I thought God was good. I thought he was generous and nothing's happening in my life. Have you sown any seeds? And so we are going to focus on the sowing part and leave the harvest part up to God. But here's the good news. This is one of God's principles. And so what does Luke, um, 30, Luke 6, 38 tell us? This is from the message. I just love the way the language. Give your life away and you'll find life given back. But not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way. Generosity begets generosity. This is a biblical principle. Jesus modeled this for us, right? He gave his life away 
And what was the result? A huge family of people set free, whole, and living in the fullness that they were created for. God's grace and generosity shows us what happens when we embrace his plan. Our life is given back to us, but not just merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Now, this does not mean that it is exactly the way that we think it should be, but we can trust God and his goodness for his, for his financial plan for our life. So the two principles for us to ponder this week is to freely give and to sow lots of seeds. We're gonna focus on those seeds, not on the harvest. Well, you know, I know you can hear truth like this and say, yes, I wanna be a generous person. I wanna embrace wholehearted generosity. But it's really hard to be generous when you're broke. In every way, relationally, spiritually, physically, and yes, financially. And the truth is this, the enemy has a chokehold on many of our finances and we're living with shame and we're living in condemnation and we feel embarrassed. And you know, you hear a message like this and it's like, oh, if only, and here's the really good news. The reason why we're teaching on this, the reason why we're talking about this is because God wants you whole in every area of your life. This is actually about what's best for you and what God wants for you. And, and we're going to help you. We're going to spend a couple of weeks going over this, you know, God's good plan. But this is also the truth. Generosity has little to do with what you have and everything to do with how you think. And so each of us can start today. No matter what your bank account says, every single person has time, has energy, and has resources. Every single person. This, this message is for every single one of us. God has an upgrade in generosity in our minds. I saw this quote um, from John Maxwell, and I just loved it. Most people are trying to increase their standard of living. Let's be people who increase our standard of giving. May our lives as disciples of Jesus, as wholehearted disciples, may they reflect radical generosity. And I'm gonna end our time together by telling you a story because I love stories of people who have walked this out and lived this. And I'm gonna tell you about a couple who would never want me to share their name because they would never want the applause or the lauds. They have given faithfully and sacrificially and joyfully for many years because they love to obey God's financial plan. And now they're older with decades of wholehearted generosity behind them and many stories to tell. And as I was talking to him, you know, he said to me again, he said, you know, generosity is such a journey and it starts so small. It actually starts by learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. He said, I would get ideas, I'd feel nudges, I'd get a sense. And, and I, at first I'd think to myself, did I just make that up? Is that you, God? And he said that over the years, he developed, they as a couple developed a philosophy, and this is what he said. He said, you can never go wrong with being generous. And so this, these ideas would come to them, and then they would obey them. They would plant the seeds and they emphasized, again, just the journey that they went on and that it really starts by saying yes to these very small promptings. Generosity has little to do with what you have and everything to do with how you think. And she told me a story, but when she was a humble college student, she drained a hard-earned bank account to help a sibling that was in dire need. And I, I love this. You know, young people, th this is not just when you get older and you have money, 
This actually, no matter what our age, no matter what our stage, each of us is invited into wholehearted generosity. Well, when this couple first got married, you know, the money was tight, but they listened to the Holy Spirit's nudges and promptings to be generous. They helped friends move, made countless meals for others, hosted small groups. One thing they loved to do is host people on the holidays when people don't have family around. These acts of generosity were seeds that they planted, and along the way, their confidence grew in God's plan for generosity, and they watched their own personal finances supernaturally grow. But you know what they realized? That this was actually so that they could give more. God began inviting them to freely give in some crazy ways. They've given more than one car away. I mean, how cool is that? Like, just, I would love to give a car away. Like, I, would anyone else just love, like, you don't need your car anymore, so you just give it away. You don't need to trade it in. They've given out cash. They helped a relative get out of jail on bail. They've given their cell phones away as they've replaced them. They've, they've given their time to help other couples with budget counseling just for free. They've given as the Holy Spirit has directed them. They've kept their hearts soft and their ears open. And the result, they have been refreshed. They have everything they need and plenty left over to share with others. All of this, this entire journey of wholehearted generosity, it begins in our minds. It's not about how much we have. It's about how we're thinking. And so we need the Holy Spirit to come and to uproot those lies and to set us free so that we can embrace wholehearted generosity. So this week, what I want you to do is I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today with what you've given me? What do you want me to do today with what you've given me? I'm going to pray. Well, Holy Spirit, you are a good and faithful teacher. And right now we pray for ears to hear as you invite us deeper into generosity. God, break off the lies that have held us in bondage. God, you are good. You can be trusted. There is enough. And right now, God, as we worship you, we just give you full permission to speak your truth, even to, to, to give us ideas in this moment of who we're supposed to lovingly and graciously give to. We just invite you to be here even more in Jesus' name. Amen.